Welcome to First Turn, where we play board games for the first time and discuss our immediate reactions. It's like book club, but for board games. I'm Eric, and with me is Kate, Stephanie, and Ernesto. Hello. 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 Sorry, I forgot I was third. It happens. <laughs> Disappointed. I'm just so excited to play Ghost guys. It's really just... <laughs> you just ruined the introduction to the game. I'm so sorry. We got that? Today, we're going to be playing Ecos, the first continent. As a deep dive episode, it is not our first time playing it. Ecos was designed by John D. Clare. The artist was Sabrina Mir- Miramon. Developers were Josh Wood of Cat Lady and Mark Wouton. And it was developed by Alderac or AEG in 2019. What if the formation of the Earth had gone differently? In Ecos, the players are forces of nature creating the planet together, but with competing visions of its grandeur. You will have the chance to mold and create a part of the world similar, but different to, the one we know. Which landscapes, habitats, and species will thrive will be up to you. To me, personally. (laughs) (laughs) And the box art. All right. So we have a safari type scene, like almost looking like the Lion King or something. I don't know. (laughs) There's an antelope and a mountain in the background. Surprisingly, there are not more animals. There's some elephants. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't realize that those were elephants. There's a giant tree in the foreground. Mm -hmm. Sky looks really nice. It's got like a lot of blue, oranges, whites, pink. It's a really nice color. Very scenic looking. (laughs) It's beautiful. You got a bunch of animals in there. You got some rocks in the foreground. But just like the thing that really appeals to me is like that mountain in the background. Like it's kind of cloudy because it's off in the distance and it just feels like there's just so much wonder and mystery Mm -hmm. back there. The way it's coming out of the clouds. Do you think that's Kilimanjaro? Um, I'm going to be honest. I don't know where Kilimanjaro is. That's possible. Africa. Yeah, it's in Tanzania. Wisconsin for all I know. (laughs) And the parks are in that area of Tanzania. So I will say that I like the font of Ecos and First Continent. It just Mm -hmm. looks nice. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. It just it looks like a blank canvas that is ready for. Uh, for one to six players to forge <laughs> in their image. Uh, and the mechanics of this game are bingo, contracts, modular board, set collection, simultaneous action selection, tile placement, and turn order progressive. So uh, we have pulled this off a shelf. We have played it. Uh, why do you want to play it again? Oh, me first? Okay. Um, I, I loved just the, the general feel. Of the game, like I'm a I'm a big sucker for nature games in general, and the art is beautiful, and like creating the actual board feels nice, and um, you know I get to play as an elephant, kind of. <laughs> I get to have an elephant deck, which I think is quite lovely. It's just it's it's a mixture of things that I really enjoy. The gameplay itself is very nice, and I I love the general feel of it. It just makes me feel makes me feel good to play. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, I guess it it is a competitive game, but it has feel of more of a cooperative game and that it is pleasant like you've already talked about i don't know i guess that's why we're doing a deep dive is because it's a it's a favorite i'd say yet we haven't played it that much and we haven't really explored about why we do like it so (laughs) that's why we're here today (laughs) i like games where you have like a shared board that you're all building on i always think that's kind of fun Mm -hmm. um but this is a lot of those types of games are like you know the uh, what, what did we just play mosaic and like your sort of civ games or military games where everyone's on the same board but this is just like it's peaceful and then you know yeah. well yeah like sometimes a cheetah's gonna eat the storks but like you know you don't <laughs> it's always peaceful except when you eat the other player's animals right <laughs> but like you know sometimes it's the thing is they're not really yours like once they're on the board yeah you know it's everyone, nature it's nature you don't know what's gonna happen 
Mm-hmm. And I just remember playing the lions last time and I didn't get a lion. So my dream today is to hopefully get a lion. I want a whale. Are there whales in this game? I don't remember. I feel like it's like a small <laughs> whale with teeth, right? No. Like, I got a question for you. How do you feel about the earth? I live on it. You know, it's nice, pretty mm-hmm. stable. It's got its ups and downs. Most of the time, you know. Yeah. Sometimes it's cold and you need sock hands. Yeah. It's true. So, so you know, since since <laughs> since we're all since we all live on this here planet, I'm sure we're all aware that sometimes it likes to shake. Some mm-hmm. would say that it quakes. And you know, for a very long time, people have been trying to figure out, well, how do you measure the intensity of let's just call it an earthquake, if you will. I think the one the one thing that most people think of when they think of an earthquake is, you know, let's, let me just ask, what do you think of when you think of earthquakes? Measuring earthquakes in California. Okay, California mm-hmm. is a good, a good, good guess. Measuring yeah. an earthquake. Yeah, you know, measuring know. an earthquake. Put a stick in the ground. Okay. <laughs> do you perhaps think of Kate the Richter scale? Say, yeah. Do you perhaps <laughs> think of a man named Charles F. Richter, <laughs> who was with the California Institute of Technology, um, who in fact created the Richter scale around 1935, based on some existing work, uh, whose name I'm not going to butcher. But I will spell because I want to give them credit. K-I-Y-O-O-W-A-D-A-T-I. Did a 1928 paper on shallow and deep earthquakes. And Charles Richter took this and basically made the Richter scale that we we know and probably don't know enough about to love. But, you know, love in, a, in a, its own sense. Um, what I didn't realize until a little bit ago is that around 1975, we discontinued the use of the Richter scale because it was very poor for measuring you know, other things. So Mr. Charles F. Richter was based in California. And as such, you know, California's got a very specific type of like soil and crusts and all that jazz. And apparently the the longer we continue to use it, we realized that the Richter scale was only helpful for earthquakes really in California within about 370 miles of your seismometer. Right. And it was only good for measuring, I think, certain kinds of waves. You got surface waves, which kind of like waggle like that. And you got pressure waves, which is like a sound wave where you have stuff. What? Can that you was... please explain <laughs> waggle like, like that? <laughs> well, that was really better than the benefit of the people at the table. It's like, it's, like a, um, it's like a ripple in water. You know, you drop something in and you see the surface kind of go up and down in a nice little wave fashion. And then you have like a pressure wave, which is something, I guess, like a, like a sonic boom, where you have sound kind of condensing into itself. And then it just kind of propagates outward from there. And um, in 1975, we abandoned the use of the Richter scale for something called the, <clears throat> let me to um, just get that right, the moment magnitude scale. And that was uh, invented by Kiro Kanamori and, uh, and Mr. Thomas C. Hanks, my, my good buddy, Tommy Hanks. And as far as I know, that's, that's the scale we continue to use today that kind of measures a little bit more accurately the energy of a wave as opposed to being based in California in 1935. So you know, just a little, little factoid there. I'm well, sure. Why do people mm-hmm. still say like that yeah. was made on the Richter scale? Because yeah. I think it's just, it's got that name power. It's got the staying power. Do you no, really want to? You didn't even remember. I told you like 10 seconds I, I ago. I remembered it. Oh, we'll cut that out. That's not, that's, not, <laughs> that's not interesting. But like, you know, moment magnitude scale may be like scientifically helpful, but it's not. It doesn't have that punch. I don't know. Moment magnitude doesn't even sound scientific. Well, you were talking about like moment, like like a moment of inertia, for instance, in physics, which is something I don't think a lot of people know about. Like probably helpful for a scientist, but you know. Precious moment. A precious moment. But we'd probably abbreviate it, and then people would just love it the same way that they do the Richter scale. Richter, though. Do we that's, love that's it, That's got though? power. It's got that hard, like... <laughs> It'd be like MMS, right? MMS scale. I think it's like M sub W or something is, the, is what we use for it. Sub W. What is a sub W? Like subscript? It's not very... That doesn't... 
Chat. Doesn't Chat have the punch you. of Richter. Right? <laughs> yeah. M sub W. M M scale. Scale. Again, like, like the a scale. Yeah. yeah, they really could have come up with a better yeah. branding for this. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if really branding was their goal. I think it was just more for like a helpful tool. Well, then they could I have mean, started branding next. So people know who Richter is and not them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, <laughs> Tom Hanks really has two negatives yeah. going for his, his brand. <laughs> <Tom Hanks. laughs> I suppose mm-hmm. the Tom Hanks scale, he still wouldn't have gotten credit for I, th- it. I think the Hanks scale sounds, yeah, probably not. Yeah. Oh, Tom Hanks made his uh, amateur <laughs> seismologist. Yeah. Is there anything that man can't do? Yeah. When I think of Tom Hanks, I think of earthquakes. He was in Joe mm-hmm. versus the volcano, right? Or was that Bill Murray? I get the two of them confused all the time. What? Mm. <laughs> they seem like very different humans. You would think so, wouldn't you? They're both amateur seismologists. Oh, uh, everyone's got to have a hobby. <laughs> <laughs> Let's play. <laughs> Let's play. You like a reminder on how to play. You know, I would love one. So uh, it's basically a bingo game where there's a bunch of tiles with some symbols on your uh, kind of like rune shaped, I guess. Mm-hmm. And you draw those out of a bag. And so like if you draw a uh, sun symbol, then everybody at the table gets a sun symbol and they can uh, play it. Basically, you have uh, cards in your your play space that uh, have symbols. So you're going to collect the symbols. Mark those off. And then when you complete a card, it triggers its action. And its action can be different things like uh, putting a mountain on the board or putting a, a stork on the board or uh, moving the antelope into a pack, different things like that. And then uh, other cards might have scoring on them. So like, you know, if you move a bunch of antelope together, you score a point. If you, uh, your cheetah eats some storks, you get a point for each thing it eats or just various different things that you're trying to accomplish based off of whatever cards you have in front of you. And then each time you activate a tar- card, you rotate it. And so each one will have a certain amount of uses. So you have to basically, you're building an engine, but your engine is going to keep cycling and rotating through different things as the game goes through. Um, but then eventually you can kind of trigger a bunch of different things. So you trigger one thing, it gives you other things, you trigger another card, and then uh, a cheetah goes rampaging through the planes. So, the storks. Yeah. Oh, and then as you're drawing out of the bag, when y- you'll draw until you hit the... Uh, wild card token and then that indicates that it's time to pass the bag to another player and that's sort of not really rounds but that kind of symbolizes like a phase thing but everyone's pretty much acting at the same time if multiple people have uh, a card full at the same time it goes in player order based on who's holding the bag so that's why that matters uh, and then you're going to have a hand of additional cards and you'll be able to get new ones throughout the game and uh, play more into your play space and then the game ends when one player has 80 or more points. The next time the uh, wild card is drawn and the bag would switch, that triggers the game is over. It's kind of interesting, though. If you have a tie, it goes into like a sudden death, which I don't know if I've ever seen in a board game. And like you pull one element and pass the bag and keep going until somebody like triggers a point and gets points. Oh, man. That's kind of an interesting <clears throat> tie ending. We better end this that. with a tie. Yeah, mm-hmm. it'd be kind of cool. Well, let's play. <laughs> We just finished a game of Ecos to recap. Ernesto had 77 Savannah points. Uh, Stephanie had 88 hippo points. Kate had 94 tree points. And I won with 95 shark eating hippo points. I'm very sad. 
Hmm. <laughs> uh, winning strategy was have a shark eat some hippos. <laughs> that got me a lot of points, and then just uh, just get a smattering of points here and there uh, consistently to stay ahead as everybody else got back up. Eric, I do believe this is the second time we've played Ecos, and you use the winning strategy of kill my animals. First was lions. Now it's sharks. I feel a little targeted, I think. Mm-hmm. That's um, fair. You should not put so much food on the board. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, they were all about to get eaten by an orca soon, too, because he was uh, coming at you with the orca. Uh, anybody else strategy? Mm, get some cards out there to to score points off of and get more resources to um, fulfill more cards. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I lost. I probably shouldn't be giving advice on strategy. Mm-hmm. But, you can tell us what didn't work. Mm-hmm. So what didn't work was looking through my initial deck and trying to make a big play based off of that. And it took a little bit of time and I did manage to get a pretty decent one, but then I was, I think, tapped out. And then I was just struggling to pick up the, the back. But it did make a very big desert with a lot of mountains yeah, and a leopard island. So did I really lose? You flew a bird across some water. I did fly a bird across <laughs> seven squares of water. Hexes, pardon me. um i don't know if i really had a strategy other than i really wanted to place down animals and it was my goal to place as many hippos as possible and i think i accomplished as much as i could with the hippos Mm -hmm. all right on the theme did you uh feel like you were creating a planet of animals and land yes yes yeah i think so and we have it to to show for ourselves afterwards you know we have our little Water system and our yeah. land system. Bunch of islands. Lots yeah. of uh, animals and trees and mountains. A lake with a single manatee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. An island with a single leopard. <laughs> yeah. We managed to create a uh, story based on a placement of manatees that all manatees do not like manatees. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They really don't like other animals in general, but they saw the, the first manatee, manatee prime, that... um you know, surrounded himself with land. <laughs> and they were like, we could do the same, but they just... <laughs> They were not as good as the original creation of manatee. Mm-hmm. The rhinos also did not like other animals, and they were much more successful. And they just stay isolated from yeah. everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it just it just felt nice, like the way that stuff kind of fell out of of how the game played. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, of course, of course, rhinos don't like things. That's why this one is alone on a single hex with a mountain on it. Like, it's just how it is. The shark ate the hippos, and then the hippo erupted back out of the shark. So that, <laughs> that was the thing that happened. Yeah. Nature's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I would agree. And then that kind of goes to table presence. Like you said, there's yeah. a, at the end of the game, you have a look at what we accomplished mm-hmm. and all the destruction that came with it. Destruction. I mean, I guess that's part of it. Like, you know, you're flipping stuff over and things, but like, you know, it's still, it's creative destruction. Yeah. And it just looks nice with the tiles and the mountains and the trees and the animals. I do wish that the animal tiles were, like we said, it would be super cool if they were like tokens or, mm-hmm. or not tokens, but like um, wooden shaped animals or at least kind of bigger. I feel like they're a little bit small. Yeah. Like they could have a bit more of an impressive presence, but. Yeah. You can see why they did that though. Like you couldn't really have tokens with a lot of those animals or it would be tricky. Yeah. I mean, I could try like the way I've tried with the cookies, but <laughs> yeah. But I think that then the various, the discs could have been a bit bigger. So you have, yeah, have more presence on the mm-hmm. board because yeah. X's are big enough to support yeah. bigger animal yeah. picture. And it's very rare, I think, that you have more than like two animals yeah. on a single hex. So and you can always mm-hmm. stack them if you needed to. Yeah. And then there's your line of, 
drawing from tiles from a bag, which is an enjoyable aspect of great. gameplay. Yeah. The, I like Somebody the bingo, hoards the bag and we all yell at you. <laughs> the only, yeah, the only um, game that really has like a bingo kind of mechanic where one person draws and everybody sort of does an action. So it's kind of neat. The only thing I'm, that's kind of weird is that there's a ton of animals. It feels like it's just kind of like a focus on one animal or two animals Mm -hmm. so the way we play is we there's some starter decks so there's some animal starter decks and then some plant starter decks and then once you kind of get used to that there's a draft system if you're doing all that then you might get more combinations this is just sort of to make sure you don't have like a a flop hand where you can't get much going so we still kind of use the basic starter decks so they kind of like you said focus on a couple animals uh, mechanics, because we're kind of talking, I already talked about that with kind of the bingo, drawing out of a bag is pleasant, um, sort of the card decks having um, things, I guess the engine building aspect, mm-hmm. what did you think of that? So an, an engine builder is sort of when you, over time, start putting together like pieces so that you get like big chains of events and then things trigger and then a bunch of different stuff happens kind of thing. I didn't. Me personally, I saw it with everybody else, but I didn't get a whole lot of those. And when I did trigger, it was mostly, here's a manatee. I don't get points, but here's a manatee. Mm-hmm. But a lot of mine didn't really trigger too much. I think if I'd pulled some more cards to see if I can try and get something to trigger, it would have, but I didn't. Yeah. I guess it depends on the starter hand you have, the starter deck you have. Um, there were a couple of things I could have done that required, you know, kind of cascading cards, but there were also a few of them that were just like, I'll put down a, a tile, kind of like what you said. You just do something and you don't get any points for it. And you kind of have to synergize it with other things. It feels like the sort of thing that would really, if you knew the deck and you kind of knew what you had in there and you knew what you could potentially draw, you could really um, get a strategy going. Yeah. As it was, I kind of just like, oh, I like the way this looks. I want a big desert and I just put a big desert down and hoped that I got a card that let me get points off the desert. Mm-hmm. I think the mechanics work really well for like, a mixed group in terms of like heavy strategy and luck. Mm-hmm. So it can be like fun for everybody. Like, and I think we even said during the game that our scores were pretty close, even though we had maybe some high strategy playing and some like luck based playing. Yeah. <laughs> and we end up close. I mean, I, d- I did like definitely try to get the engine building going. And, um, but that's even, that's luck based too, because you only have so many tiles that are drawn so you can build up you know cards that work together very well but then not get the tiles or anything so yeah what i like is so a lot of engine builders it's that is the game right you start with nothing and then you build the engine and if you fall behind or you have an unlucky start like you're you're done like everyone else has an engine going and you're just like floundering around with nothing to do um but what i like about this one is it's sort of like you build kind of a couple combo cards but then they deplete and they were go away and now you have to get new cards and come mm-hmm. up with some new idea and so i like that and i think that's why everything kind of stayed close is because i had a really good yeah. start with some good combos and then they timed out then they're at gone and then i had to like figure out what i was going to do next and then like you know then you did big, you big know, desert and got <laughs> some desert. points and then you got trees going and then you had a good round with hippo and then like everyone kind of has a round and then you sort of have to figure out something new so you kind of have to go through a few different combos which i like because i played a lot of engine builders where like you have a really unlucky first draw and you now are sitting around for two hours watching other people play a game. So I like that about it. Mm-hmm. I, I think what I really liked about this one is one, you have your three starter cards. So you, uh, you have something, mm-hmm. right? you, you have something you can play on. 
And what I really love about it is that every time you draw a tile, if it's something you don't need, you can still rotate your like little, little start thing. So you mm-hmm. can get a cube, you can get a card, you can play a card. Like there's always something you're doing. Yeah. You're not sitting yeah. there watching so you, and waiting. Yeah. If you yeah. screw up and that play a good. bad hand, yeah. like if you, I'm going to try this and play this and it doesn't work, you, you just rotate it and get some new cards in. Right. That's exactly what I did when I played trees and then Kate stole all the trees. So I was like, I'm going to put the trees away. (laughs) Yeah, we realized we were not getting any trees out. (laughs) Um, Rules, how was it learning the game? Like, was it challenging? Was it frustrating? Once you figure it out, it's pretty easy. Like, just looking at the cards, it's not self-explanatory. So you do need, like, a rule explained to you. But once you've heard it, like, you understand. Mm -hmm. It's one of those, I think, where, like... You kind of got to play a bit. It's like to see how all these placing animals and combos kind of work. But I think the basics of draw from bag, put resource cube on thing is pretty straightforward. Um, there's a bit with like communities and habitat, some like terminology that you kind of have to dig into when you get those, but mm-hmm. they make sense. Yeah. And again, like you really only have to learn the two things, you know, this is how many animals are connected as how many land pieces are connected as how many mountains or trees or what have you. And that's really about it. And then otherwise it's just, you know, like you said, you draw a tile, you either put a cube down or you rotate your starter card and then you read off the card. If you get an ecos and it's, it's broken down line by line. It's usually pretty unambiguous in terms of, you know, phrasing. It's not too wordy. Like it's nice, nice and easy. Um, And then on the rule book side, it's laid out. Well, I think I, a big spread of pages that tells you the setup, a big spread of pages that tells you the rules. And then the last one is like the definitions of some of the terms and a bunch of good examples of like, I think just an example for every case we had. So pretty, pretty good layout player interaction. Uh, how would you rate the player interaction being sort of like super interactive, minimally interactive, or you didn't pay any attention to what other people were doing? I would say it's, higher than medium but not like incredibly interactive like Mm -hmm. you mostly had to focus on what your own thing was but then again like i was trying to play some trees and then kate was taking some trees so i'm like oh guess i gotta change my category or change my thing or when i summoned hippos and then suddenly all they all died but it didn't actually affect my score if hippos died it was just kind of affected your scores so you had to pay a little bit of attention to everybody else but not like an extreme amount that it was like super important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah, like I had to time when I put my shark in, so I was just watching when there was enough things for it to eat. But yeah, I would agree. It's kind of like, well, it's not as highly as interactive as like a cooperative or a two player yeah. game, but I'd say it's, it's up there because like you do need to pay attention. Like the shared board space where mm-hmm. everybody is building together does affect what you do, but it's also fun. Like, yeah. I feel like if it didn't affect you, we'd still be somewhat like saying stuff about the animals and the, what we're doing right. down there. So I think it, it puts it pretty high up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's no like direct interaction. You're not like directly trading with so like another player or anything. Um, but everything that you do and everything that other players do affects everything else. It affects the layout. It affects what animals are on there. Um, there've been multiple times where somebody put a tree down, which is something that somebody later on in the round was going to do and you really mm-hmm. have to like decide, Oh, do I really want to ecos and then waste it? Or so th- there is a little bit of it. Um, I mean, I guess there's actually a lot of 
a lot of things that players do affect other players, but there's not a whole lot of direct player to player. There could be a little bit more. Like we knew you were scoring points off of Savannah. Yeah. So we probably could have tried to block you yeah. there. Yeah. Um, Cause you just let me do it. Yeah. And, got, and then I got some nasty points off of that one. Right. And that and goes back to what Stephanie said about that. We're more focused on what we're doing. So we did let you just do that. Cause we were yeah. just like paying attention. Like, I think you could, if you really, especially learn more of the cards and stuff, you'd be like, ah, they're, they're trying the old quad hippo strat. <laughs> <laughs> There's some things you could maybe do to try to block people. One thing I'd like to say is that like all of the players' cards, if they're active, you can see them, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So like if I get, for instance, my stork card at the end where it's like I need to cross a certain number of water in a straight line, if you wanted to and you were very strategy heavy, you could look around what other people are doing, kind of get a feel for what they might be planning based mm -hmm. on the layout of the board. You don't need to because I certainly didn't. I just yeah, had I don't fun. Think anyone's I had fun mm -hmm. taking a stork and flying mm -hmm. it across some water. But <laughs> if you wanted to, I think the potential is yeah. there. Mm -hmm. I guess would you play it again? I would play it a third time. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> just a, a violent delight. It's so fun and it's nice and relaxing. And it's very naturey, which I love. It just puts me in a good mood. Yeah, I enjoy playing it. I enjoyed summoning hippos. <laughs> I'm sorry, hippos are great. Uh, but no, just in general, like I enjoyed summoning it. I like the stories that we come up with, all the little animals and what they're doing, their ecosystems. Uh -huh, ecos. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I just enjoy what we kind of come up with. Yeah, uh, same same reasons. It's yeah. just very pleasant game. Um, animals, nature. I think what I like is like it is like on the more relaxing side, but there is more strategy and then, then we, like you said, it is higher interaction because like a lot of like cartographers is a nice relaxing game where you draw on a piece of paper, but it's not super interactive. Mm -hmm. um, it's still fun, but I like this one if you want a little bit more uh, interactivity going. And I think it's a good, fits that gap pretty well. All right, that was uh, Ecos. Let's stop playing. If you have any recommendations of games you would like to hear our impressions on, please send them our way. You can do it via email at firstturntabletop at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter or Instagram at firstturncast. And the podcasting camel is um, covered in frosting. <laughs> uh, multicolored frosting. He's very festive, just like elephants. And he says, please don't forget. <laughs> I was going to make it. I can't do this ever. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's gone. It's gone. Um, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcasters. We look forward to hearing from you. Play more games. <laughs> <laughs>'Cause we're shot. What? <laughs> he said on fire. What? He just did some frosting. Not what I hear about sock hands, Eric. Please give us the history on sock hands. When Dumb Kate said, I need sock hands, and I was like, what in the fuck are you talking about? I didn't say I needed sock hands. Had sock no, no, hands. this was the day before. You needed sock hands. And then the next day she goes, and she had socks on her hands. Anyway. <laughs>